Live, here we are, the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Tuesday night, the 29th of September, 2020. I haven't been more excited about rain coming. I can't remember. <laughs> this got rain, me all worked up. I just, I just stepped outside to throw the garbage out, <clears throat> and uh, Renata said, you sure you want to do that? I mean, is, is it raining really hard? It was like a little drizzle, and right. uh, I have to roll the garbage pail all the way down to the end of the driveway. I got to the end, all of a sudden it started coming down light to moderately. So I had to take a quick, you know, trek back up. So I got my hair a little wet, but. Their hair looks good right. tonight. It looks, it, it, well. I, I, I did a little beard oil last night. I mean, I didn't, I didn't pay $70,000 a year to get this done, but. Uh... <laughs> good Lord. Oh, good Lord. Well, we're the pre, we're, we're the, we're the pregame show for the debate. So. They've all stopped what they're doing, and they're watching us right now here on the, right. on, I, on the Joe and Joe Weather Show. If I may use this as a chance to give all of you out there uh, for your viewing pleasure or displeasure, in the immediate New York area, the tri-state area, the broadcast channels, all except three, Joe, all except three are going to cover the debates tonight. Channel 9, which never covers anything. Does anybody I, even watch Channel 9 anymore? I mean, on, uh, this is the honest to God truth. When we landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin in 1969, I did a quick twirl of the dial just to see how many stations were covering it. Only one station was not covering it, but was showing an old science fiction movie. And, and it was station Nine. Channel 9. Um, Channel 21, WLIW. But the PBS station, the, the main PBS station is Channel 13. They will be covering the debate. 21 will not. And um, Channel 11, your old stomping grounds. They're not covering it? They're not covering it. They're going to have Channel 11 News at 10, followed by Seinfeld at 11. (laughs) In the world of Channel 11, I guess the debate doesn't happen or doesn't exist. Or they're all simply offering alternative programming. Like, for example, if you watch Channel 9, you could watch Family Feud. I mean, you could actually, there'll be a feud of some sort on all the other channels but if you don't want to watch that feud, you can always watch Family Feud on Channel 9. Gotcha. Oh, good Lord. All right, so uh, I'm having just a little, suddenly a little bit of difficulty here. i got to get a window open up so that we can bring uh, maps up. But in the meantime, uh, judging from what I've been seeing, Joe, on the satellite and on the radar, uh, we're, we're in for a little bit of a rocky night tonight uh, with uh, rain and Along the coast, some wind. I have a wind advisory up, just just, yes. just to be clear. Suddenly, winds gusting to 50, maybe. Uh, out here, uh, you know, straight off the ocean, uh, yeah, that happens uh, uh, quite a bit. So I, I wouldn't be at all shocked if we if, if that winds up being the case, that we get some gusts of 50. It's been about, I don't know, 15 to 25 uh, going into the late afternoon and evening. Uh, but uh, definitely going to be picking up, no question about it. Yes, yes. And, uh, Joe, I think uh, for the overnight hours tonight, I think it's important to point out that uh, out of this entire rain event that we've been experiencing in some places as early as from earlier today till now and through the overnight, ending probably first thing after sunrise tomorrow morning, but through this entire event, 75% of what is going to fall is going to come in a six-hour time frame from about 2 o'clock tomorrow morning to right. 8 o'clock in the morning. That six-hour time frame is where we'll see rain, possibly torrential rain, possibly a few thunderstorms, along with your gusty winds. So the roughest weather is probably going to happen when many of us are in bed, asleep, watching the Inside the Eyelid show or whatever. So there you go. <laughs> Exactly. All right, so before we, we get started on the weather tonight, let's go through sick bay. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> William uh, William Uber, who's uh, a regular here on our show on on the chat board on the show, um, had uh, uh, some uh, chest pain issues, so he went and uh, to the hospital equivalent of Home Depot. They put him up on the rack. They uh, uh, gave him a tune-up. They changed his oil while he was there, and uh, now he's um, relaxing. Uh, for an overnight stay and should be back tomorrow. But he's on the board tonight uh, watching the show. So he's fighting hard. We've got some of the greatest fans out there. Even even when they're sick, they still want to watch. Yes. (laughs) And uh, our Scott uh, Brewer, the chairman, 
who has been under since uh, for last for a week now. Uh, he uh, messaged me today. Uh, he went to see the doctor, and, and his uh, sodium is low, his sugar is high. He's still having nausea and a few other things, and his mom's got some symptoms too, so he's kind of having to deal with that. But uh, hopefully, in a few days, he'll 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 be uh, back uh, on on his uh, on his feet, running around, and uh, the doctors can tell him what what in the name of God is going on with him. So we got our fingers crossed that everything turns out to be okay. Just as long as he stays away from Trixie's potato salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. All right, so I'm thinking, uh, judging from what's going on on the on the, uh, on the satellite, I, I think uh, it, it's being handled relatively well with regards to what the weather service has been calling for and uh, what we've been seeing on the idea of a couple of inches of rain out of this. So I just want to, uh, we'll start off with a couple of uh, a, a couple of maps. We'll start with WPC's uh, rainfall. Uh, in terms of excessive rainfall and uh, the uh, uh, potential for some flash flooding here. And the the, uh, S the WPC boys, the weather prediction folks, and girls, I should say, boys and girls, are going for a uh, slight risk running from uh, North Carolina and a small sliver of South Carolina, northeast up the coastal plain through New Jersey, southeast PA to the Hudson Valley, Long Island, and western New England, and just barely touching southern Vermont with a marginal risk uh, extending a bit further north. Now, there's going to be, this is through tomorrow morning, so there'll be additional marginal risk that covers uh, eastern New England for tomorrow. And the other thing, Joe, is, now, I thought maybe they did actually extend this a little bit further north. They've got marginal risk from north Florida to southern Virginia. I thought maybe they might have pushed it up a little bit further to the north. I do think that some of these cells riding northward uh, are uh, going to be, there's a possibility that we could see one or two of them get uh, severe uh, as this whole thing plays out. It could, it could. And of course, uh, Foos, the, and, uh, this, this is so typical of the Foos, uh, the, the North American model, the NAM Foos. I mentioned yesterday that they had at uh, 2 a.m. tomorrow morning. Yeah. This was yesterday's prog. They had like a, a plus 53 on the vertical motion. Well, that got um, the, the, the uh, overnight 6Z run took that one out. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, it out again also at 12Z, so not quite as potent. But still, I think uh, if you look at all of the models, the short and the mid-level, midterm models, they're all pretty much red flagging that six-hour interval from 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. as the time frame. So I'm sure it's going to be one of those cases where at about 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll, my eyes will, wait, will open up. And I'll hear, maybe it'll sound like somebody is pouring nails on top of my roof. Yeah, that's, I know uh, I'm going to hear it yeah. uh, for sure. Uh, by the way, yeah, the, uh, the, the that 6Z, had, I never, I've never seen a vertical motion over 100, but it was at 103. Really? <laughs> yeah, 103. I, I made sure, because there's three spots, and I saw it, and I said, I'm reading this wrong, okay? But it had 103. And a, wow. and a lifted index. So th these numbers basically measure the they measure the, the relative stability or instability of the atmosphere. So when your vertical motion is a positive number, means you have rising air. So uh, when you've got a big positive number, uh, you have um, not only the air rising, but probably a little bit of the dirt with it that goes up. Uh, when uh, the lifted index is another way of measuring stability or instability, when it goes below zero, that's a, a very unstable atmosphere, and it's got a minus two for one for two o'clock in the morning. So I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're going to hear some loud kabooms tonight. Some yeah. very loud kabooms. Yes. El kaboom. El kaboom. So oh, wait, but that was El Kabong, but that's you know. <laughs> Joe, Joe, this Canadian satellite is so uh, interesting tonight because of what it shows. I mean, you actually. You see, you really see the mechanics here when you look at it from the perspective of Canada at the center of the picture and how it's driving everything. You see the, uh, the this deep upper low that is right in the middle of, um, or just on the eastern shore of Hudson Bay. Just moving, north of James Bay. Jumps yes. through just north of James Bay. Very well-defined, very well-developed, solid-looking signature. But look, I mean, that jet is just digging southward from Canada, 
down into the uh, Ohio Valley. And then, of course, on the other side, you've got this exceptional southerly flow coming up the eastern seaboard. And while all of this is happening, of course, you've got two big ridges, and they stand out also uh, rather strongly here. There's your big upper high in the west, and then you have your upper high. If you follow along where the low, just sort of follow along the edge of these high clouds, you've got this big upper high uh, in the uh, in the on the Atlantic side, and then there's another big there's a big upper uh, upper air storm uh, that's sitting. In the, uh, in the Gulf of Alaska, near the eastern part of the uh, Aleutian Islands. So you have a very, very high amplitude pattern here. And you're, the atmosphere basically is just stretched now. It's, it, it's at extremes. So we got to relieve the tension. So how does it do that? It forms a storm. A storm releases all the stuff that it releases. And then eventually things start to stabilize once everything plays out. But this is a very, very dynamic, dynamic loop here. You can, always, you can almost see from that storm that we just mentioned in the Hudson slash James Bay vicinity, how it literally is pulling up on those strong southerly winds ahead of this approaching front. Look how the clouds are just racing northward. And of course, this only shows clouds. It doesn't show the embedded uh, or uh, the uh, the cells of precipitation. But Which I'm we'll sure get that, to. I'm sure that as the, as the front edges slowly but surely eastward, all of these uh, heavier cells of precipitation are racing along that front on a south to north trajectory. And that's what we're going to be getting into probably in the after midnight hours tonight. All right. So let's shift now to the U.S. Uh, satellite perspective so uh, we can see what's happening uh, with us at the center. And of course, uh, that uh, that tro subtropical jet uh, that is coming, actually, it's more of a tropical jet, really, that's coming out of uh, Mexico and running, hold on, I'm trying to get my little thing here. Uh, look at that, all of that. That's all tropical moisture that's streaming up the eastern seaboard. I think what we have to, there's a couple of things we should pay attention to. Uh, right in here, uh, off the North Carolina coast, that is where, you know, you've got your cold front that's pushing eastward. But you've, this is where your wave is developing, and and that's starting to push northward. That's going to that's going to merge with the front just as it's going by New Jersey, eastern Pennsylvania, and on up into the Hudson Valley and southern New England. So this is why we think that the area east of the low center is going to wind up getting uh, the worst of it, and particularly as you're near the coast. I think Joe, if you're near the coast and say from the Hudson River eastward into Connecticut, Long Island, um, and and uh, southern and southeastern New England. This is where we'll probably see the bulk of it in terms of the, the uh, heaviest rains and the strongest winds. Right. That's uh, that's the one. And uh, again, it's all going to be in one big bundle, so to speak, all wrapped up into that uh, six-hour time frame. And that's conceivable, Joe, that if you're a late sleeper, that when you wake up tomorrow morning, all the precip will be pretty much over. And by mid and late morning tomorrow, I suspect that we're going to be seeing some good breaks in the clouds and we'll break out into a, a, quite a bit of sunshine by tomorrow afternoon. So things are just rolling along very quickly mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully uh, there won't be any problems. I've just for the sake of doing it, I went down to uh, fill up two of my uh, gas tanks, uh, not gas tanks, but gas containers this morning, just in case uh, something happens and I'm, I would be in need of using the generator tomorrow right. or late tonight. I, I hope that that's not going to be the case. Well, but, that's a know, wise, it's wise, it's always, you know, word to the wise is sufficient. And, uh, you know, you, it's, it's a good idea always to have right. that stuff. You never prepped. know. You never know. Uh, just want to point out, by the way, um, there's for first time in a while, there's not a whole lot of smoke that's showing up on the satellite. However, because there is this new wildfire out in the West, we actually are seeing a little some smoke now breaking out again through parts of California. So far, it seems to be confined there uh, and hasn't spread out. The big upper high that's sitting out in the western part of the United States is probably going to hold most of that in place, uh, at least for the time being. Here's the radar tonight. And again, uh, the area I think we really need to pay attention to is that area off uh, North Carolina, because that's your wave is actually developing uh, in uh, interior North Carolina. So I'm just going to uh, highlight it here. Uh, right in here, we've got some uh, strong thunderstorm cells, also some strong cells out in the open waters. There's probably a low center uh, right about there. 
And as uh, it all starts to translate northward, uh, you're going to see uh, the uh, cold front now approaching. A little bit of lead showers, Joe, moved in through New Jersey. This first area the, uh, uh, blossomed out during this afternoon. Uh, it's probably the one reason why the rainfall wasn't um, – is it going to be higher than what it is? Well, you know, an inch or two is pretty not, – not too shabby. But it could have easily been two or three inches had this first area blossomed out a little sooner and a little further south. But this is putting down some wet weather this evening in New Jersey over you. You said you got into a moderate downpour, western right. Connecticut – uh, and then even some showers up into uh, Vermont and New Ham and parts of New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you've got all of this back through here. Now, this is with the cold front. That's pushing east. And it's it's right in uh, this zone. Hang on. Get, I'm starting to get better at this. But it's right in here that you're going to have the low and the cold front basically merge together as the, the low heads on up uh, into uh, New England late tonight and into Wednesday morning. And as you said, Joe, everything's moving along. So uh, it should be out of here uh, around daybreak or so, I would think. Plus or minus a couple of hours, depending on which side of the, uh, uh, you know, which side of the low you are on. I think also the fact that it was a very cloudy day here, cloudy throughout much of the Northeast, that helped to uh, hold the temperatures down a bit. And also the fast movement of the, uh, of the precipitation cells all of these things combining to, uh, even though there is that chance for a bit of convection tonight, it does not look like it's going to approach severe levels, at least not in our immediate area. So uh, well, I'm just I'm going by all the vertical motion and 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 the upper trough, the sharpness of the upper trough that you might get a cell in there uh, when when this stuff lifts well, yeah, up tonight. Isolated, something isolated right. or whatever, like that, but nothing. The real warm, the real warm front is down here somewhere in the through the Delmarva Peninsula, and the warm sector is south of there. So right. I don't know how much of that's going to try to get up here. Uh, it might get close, but we'll see. I will see how it plays out. But the dynamics, I think, are there. The upper dynamics are there to set it off. So I, 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 I figured I'd, I'd, I'd go for it. We're also seeing some rain down through South Carolina. Some heavy rain, some thunderstorms. There tonight uh, in through eastern Georgia, northern Florida on the panhandle, uh, some cells in central Florida and points further south. But out to the west, there ain't nothing. There's a big upper high out there, and as long as that upper high is out there, you're not going to be able to get a thing to happen. A little bit of precip up in parts of North Dakota and also on the upper peninsula of Michigan, and that is just about it. So it's all about waiting for the cold front. Here's uh, WPC just updated this, Joe, and... Um, I know they lowered it a little bit uh, this morning. Now they seem to have raised it a little bit in terms of the rainfall uh, totals. But uh, the purple is an inch and a half and the red is about two and a half. So uh, you're talking they're talking an inch and a half to two and a half all the way up into New England. This is good news for New England because of the drought conditions that are uh, that that are uh, covering a large portion of New England. They, this rain is definitely needed. Right. I'm, I'm sorry, Joe. I'm just uh, trying to bring some things on the map. And of course, I'm running about a minute behind you. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's terms. always a little tough. You hear my voice in real time, but you see the vi the uh, video come well, up. That's the reason why sometimes I'm trying to bring up the map that you're that you're showing that I'm not seeing yet. <laughs> so I'm doing a little bit of a juggling act here. But, oh, okay. And now I'm seeing, but now I'm seeing the QPF map that you I'm sure had up for a short while. And uh, yeah, look at all that purple that is uh, over. Uh, it seems to go right down the Connecticut River Valley, and we're on the uh, western flank of that, at least the tri-state area is, and of course, Long Island is as well. And uh, all of that dry weather across the western half of the United States, which of course is loaning itself to helping to uh, bump up those fires, those wildfires that have uh, flared up again over portions of California. By the way, we should, I should mention, this is a seven-day rainfall forecast map, but excuse me, looking at what's happening down the road, the bulk of this is what's going on for tonight. I would say probably 90% of this, of what you're seeing, is for uh, tonight. And uh, you see the heavier rains down uh, also into parts of southern Florida. There is probably going to be uh, other things happening there down the road. But for everybody else, this is all, most of it is going to be from this first system. And, and again, if that significant rain verifies up through New England, 
like as you said, up the Connecticut River Valley, uh, heading up into Vermont and New Hampshire, this is all going to be very good. It doesn't end the drought, but it certainly gives it a good denting, which is what you need. We probably need a couple of more rain events like this in order to uh, really just kind of put an end to the uh, drought condition. So uh, on to the models, Mr. Rayo, and it's all about cold fronts that are be coming through. And the, uh, the, the, the this goes by, the GFS, pretty bullish there, showing on its radar picture for 2 a.m., some uh, rather strong convection uh, along the um, uh, Jersey coast there and back to New York City and Long Island and over by you on the in Putnam County and on the uh, east east of you in, in uh, Western Connecticut. Tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., the uh, uh, the front's already by. And again, it's one of these very sharp fronts, folks. So we ever, whenever uh, we see those isobars make that V shape, that's that's uh, telling you uh, that's a sharp cold front that's coming coming through. You've got uh, a lot of you've got strong northwest winds on one side and strong southerly winds ahead of it. So there's a sharp change in that wind direction, very sharp cold front. So that goes by uh, some showers around the Great Lakes during the day tomorrow, Joe, a little bit of instability, early fall in instability with the deep upper trough. And then uh, the next thing is going to be a cold front that arrives sometime early Friday morning, maybe a little wave develops on that front that brings some showers Thursday night into Friday morning, followed by uh, what should be a reinforcement of cool air, if not cooler air, for Friday, Saturday into Sunday. I think the weekend is looking okay. I think so, too. I think uh, at worst, sunny to partly cloudy, uh, temperatures uh, in the 60s to around 70. It looks like a very, very nice uh, upcoming weekend. Perfect weekend for, for mulching and raking, because right now, Joe, looking at parts of, not all of my lawn, but parts of my lawn, there's a golden carpet already, and uh, I'm going to have to do something about that uh, once things dry out, clear out, and calm down a bit, uh, either late this week or uh, more likely over this upcoming weekend. And you mentioned, of course, as we mentioned, the uh, all the rain going up, especially across the Connecticut River Valley. A lot of people looking forward this weekend to getting in the car, traveling to upstate New York and New England, take a look at the uh, fall foliage. The one thing that would be a drawback to all of this much needed rainfall would be uh, too too heavy a burst of rain along with gusty winds that might bring down a lot of those leaves. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a tragedy uh, in that regard. Right. So um, through th I think I think we're OK through Sunday, but there is low pressure. Another trough is uh, another shortwave trough is going to be swinging around uh, the uh, the trough in the east uh, and that uh, might mean for a low that will try to develop. Now, the European Joe's got uh, a, a bit more of a robust look for Sunday night and Monday, where it's got a low developing to our south with high pressure to the north and a northeast uh, wind here for Sunday night into Monday. Uh, the GFS is a lot is, is a bit weaker with this, but we I haven't really get, had too much time to look at it to, to, to see what I think about it. And down on the bottom of your screen, we'll, we'll take another view from this from a different angle, is what might be the next tropical system. And we'll put up uh, the uh, wider shot here of the Atlantic, the Western Atlantic. And indeed, we've been talking about something coming out of the Northwest Caribbean. And looks like it's going to happen late this week and this weekend. And what it does uh, it remains to be seen. I, I, I don't know if this is going to be... This may wind up getting trapped down there in the southern Gulf of Mexico we'll, uh, or in the northwest Caribbean. We'll have to see. Well, um, if you show the, uh, the uh, cover page of the uh, National Hurricane Center. Which I just see, did. Uh, is it on the screen it's right now? It's on now. now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it, does it say uh, no activity for the next? No, it has. Uh, uh, no, they have, a, uh, they, have, they have code orange. Okay. Okay. Well, and and they have a, a zero chance of formation in the next 48 hours, and they have now upped it to 50% over the next five days. And I suspect right. that you'll probably tomorrow they'll probably up that bottom number some more. Well, a few hours ago, uh, at least after the uh, the noon update, so to speak, there was the uh, there was the uh, message on the Atlantic Ocean: nothing is expected to develop 
over the next 48 hours. Right. Now, now there is a, di a disturbance. And it's so lovely to see that, you know, for a change after all of the wild and woolly weather we've seen in the tropics in recent days and weeks to see finally uh, a sign that things have calmed down. And really it doesn't look like what's down there in the Western Caribbean, which we've been talking about now for the last few days. It's not gonna immediately flare up into something uh, to be concerned with, but uh, it's just nice to see that things are, you know, a lot calmer now than they were uh, over the last, you know, one, two, three weeks here. Right. Apparently, it can't rain here or have, or if there are hurricanes running around, we have to have 17 or 18 days with no, no rain here. So now that we have the rain, the tropics are all quiet. So, right. There's, <laughs> I, I guess there's some, there is some connection there somehow. But here's your upper air. Look how deep that trough is. That's really impressive. It's the end of September and you've got, you know, a long wave trough from an upper low in northern Hudson Bay. Now, this is for the end of the week. I kind of jumped ahead uh, with with the bottom part of this trough right across the Gulf of Mexico and across central Florida. So actually, some of this cooler air that's coming in the United States is actually going to push rather far to the south. Uh, so the folks in the south are going to be happy about this, uh, given uh, that they're going to get some dew point relief down into Florida, too. Right. At least in northern Florida, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's nice to see things changing a bit after you know, you know, sixteen, eighteen days of of ho hum weather that we're finally seeing a sort of a pattern change taking shape uh, now and over the next few days. Now there is some. I didn't look at the Pacific tropics, uh, but there is something uh, rather well developed out in the Pacific in eighty four hours. Uh, I'll give it a look to see what's going on there. Uh, that goes to the Pacific Graveyard. However, what's uh, what might be important here is that it, it gets involved. If you notice, there's a trough swinging. You know, that deep low that's in the Gulf of Alaska starts to weaken a bit as we move through the weekend, and then another trough swings around. It actually winds up picking up whatever's left of this tropical system and takes it into California uh, sometime uh, late next week. And I saw a few runs do this uh, over the last couple of days. So maybe that's the one way that they get some rain, if they get some remnant tropical system uh, with some tropical moisture to come in and, and bring some rain there. And if you look at the overall flavor of the pattern, <coughs> Joe, into the middle part of next week, we still have this trough in the east. It starts to pull out toward the wing weekend of 11th, the 11th and 12th. The flow kind of flattens a bit. And you start to get a deeper trough out in the west, and a strong ridge builds in the east, uh, particularly in the northeast into southern Canada by the middle part of the month. Now, this might be where you mentioned yesterday that the uh, long-range folks were talking in their week three, week four time frame. So this would be at the very beginning, you know, toward the beginning of the third week uh, of uh, warmer than normal temperatures. So this could be, um, this is at least the GFS is kind of showing this idea. Yeah, and um, if you were a an on-camera meteorologist, I'm sure in Southern or Central California on one of the uh, TV stations out there, I'm sure right now that, uh, or on tonight's uh, report, they may very well be mentioning what you just mentioned, Joe, about how that tropical system may interact with that upper system over Alaska and try to drive that tropical system into the West Coast. And maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying it's going to be a drought buster, but bring some much needed rainfall to California and help out the uh, firefighters out there with all the wildfire activity that has flared up, especially in the last few days, uh, at least offering them a bit of hope, maybe not immediately, but maybe sometime down the road, four or five days down the road. Right. Now, uh, looking at this and looking at the position of where the upper high is in, 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 uh, in southeastern Canada, this probably would wind up where we'd have a high to our north I'm just thinking going back to June where we had that stretch where it was uh, you know very hot in in Maine and on up into southeastern Canada oh, but yeah. but was it wasn't here and if this is the case I'm thinking that you know we might have a strong warm high to the north but we're going to have northeast winds here uh, probably and that will I think that's going to keep us reasonable in terms of of, of temperatures there's also you know, there's also this upper low that's sitting out in the Atlantic, so it almost looks like a springtime map here. Uh, well, you know the the latest the latest that we've ever seen at Central Park 
the temperature hit 90 degrees was October 17th. I'm not, I don't remember what the year was. But I just seem to remember the date, October 17th. Now, last year, we had 93 degrees on October 2nd. So is it possible right. that maybe we'll... Yeah, I'm, I, not, I'm not saying 90. Not, not, if the upper high were down, say, in Virginia or in, in southern Pennsylvania, down into Virginia and sitting there or just over us, I would say, I, I, I would say, okay, yeah, that would probably, you know, we probably would be, we uh, be very warm here, if not borderline hot. I mean, I know we're speculating here about something that's two weeks from now, uh, but I'm just out of curiosity. I want to see what the, the surface that they paint in this scenario. Yeah. I mean, look, Joe, you got your high is up to the North and it's mostly, you know, we're on the edge of Northeast winds. I, I don't see how it gets very, how it gets hot here, here. But this could be a situation where it's it maybe gets up to 80 or better up in, in uh, upstate New York and in northern New England. Right. And we're and we're in the we're in the 70s here, which would be still warm for this time of year. But 70s because of the fact that you've got, um, all, you know, all this, um, you know, these northeast isobars coming in, uh, particularly down into the mid-Atlantic. There's also I'm noticing, too, there's a few tropical systems running around here. And that's something that. Um, you know, I still think that when we start to see this system show up in the Northwest Caribbean, that there'll probably be a few others that'll pop up. And if we uh, just run through the long range on the GFS now, it's obviously it's going to change from run to run. But I think, you know, you're going to get one and maybe two systems come out of the Caribbean in the next couple of weeks because the pressures there remain low. So it'll all depend on how that plays out. And then after that, well, you know, you could see something form off the southeast coast. You can see how the GFS is trying, kind of bubbling up all these storms all of a sudden again in the, around the middle of the month. Uh, as uh, you know, usually get to the middle, of, start to get to the middle part of October, you see these storms pop up in kind of odd places out in the Atlantic Ocean. Maybe that's what's going to happen uh, this time around. But I suspect you know, the tropics are going to get busy again. Oh, yeah, there, there's no question. I think that, I mean, we, what, what we're seeing right now is a much needed low. I mean, we've we've pretty much used up a lot of the surplus uh, heat that built up in the tropics over the last few weeks. Now, a bit of a calm down period, but I think one more one more push for tropical activity to uh, get started again as we move up into October. And according to the Climate Prediction Center, Joe, their probability uh, maps, uh, it seems like the, 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 the dates to watch will be around the 7th through the 9th of October, where the eastern U.S. goes from near or below normal to suddenly jumps to above normal. And by the time we get to, according to the C uh, CDC, uh, 7th to the 13th of October, a broad area of the Plain States into the Midwest is, is not just above normal, but well above normal. So they are indicating here the big warm-up that they have been uh, telegraphing for, well, going back to last Friday with their three to four week outlook, the big warm-up is due to occur, they say, probably during the middle part of the second week of October and could be with us maybe through much of the rest of the month. And that combined with, again, maybe a warming uh, of uh, the atmosphere and uh, uh, maybe a return to some activity in the tropics could set the stage for some, some interesting tropical weather. Again, maybe about the middle of the latter part of uh, October. We'll no, no I've, I'm going to do something a little different tonight. Uh, I have... Uh, uh, of course, if you miss the live stream, you can always leave comments on the videos themselves on my YouTube channel, and uh, we have a few of them. Uh, we have Sal Blandino. We're back full screen now, Joe, by the way, um, yeah. just so you know. Um, of course, Sal Blandino, who hasn't uh, been around for the live streams, he's he's worried about Friday because he's got plans. <laughs> he's worried about um, Sunday because he has plans. <laughs> um, and, um, and he wants to know what's going to happen after Wednesday. So, you know, Sal's, Sal's next got, Wednesday. I, I think so. so. I can't, moment. I can't really see um, the, the print is kind of small. He wants to know exactly what the models are saying about next weekend. Will we be okay Saturday and next Sunday? Some days, I say, I say some days do have a little cloud cover to cover what you're animated model maps are doing but no precip let me know so i think we could say sal we could calm you down that everything's going to be fine uh for saturday and sunday the way it looks although there might be some arriving clouds later in the day 
on Sunday. Uh, Mirtha Gunter, uh, who sometimes is on the live stream and sometimes not, and today she's uh, just left some comments, and we uh, always like lo love to see her uh, on, on the board, either live or when she leaves the comments behind. Ruthless Goat, who's one of our regulars, too. He's back to normal in Colorado. Two heat waves with a snowstorm in between. I mean, that's got to be crazy, Joe. You go from, a, you know, we went from 101 to 25 and then back up to near 90. Now, how do you do that? And then put down and, and have half uh, four or five inches of snow <laughs> in between all that. I mean, that's just crazy. It is. It is. David Schwartz, by the way, more than once, I think early and then middle. And now once again, as we get toward the end of our broadcast for tonight, asking this question, Will the typhoon that is east of Japan? Oh yeah, I'm sorry, David. I did see your question today. I didn't get I, I didn't get a chance to respond to you. Yes, the typhoon east of Japan. All right, let's take a look at that. So let's take a, let's look and see what it's doing. Uh, and what right. is the name of this typhoon? Who do we have? A... Whatever it is, it's usually not easy to pronounce. So right. uh, let me just see really quick. I'll bring the map up on the screen here in a moment. As soon as my screen settles down a little bit. All right, so there's the North Pacific. Uh, we'll bring the, I'll use the, oh, come on. Keeps pulling up soundings from the middle of the Pacific. All right, very sensitive. My mouse is very sensitive. <laughs> All right, so let's roll back. And then I'll bring it up on the screen in a moment while these maps are loading. So. Okay. While you're doing that, uh, I, I thought I'd point out that on my Facebook, both of my Facebook pages, um, there are uh, parrots in a wildlife park uh, in Great Britain. That oh, I used... saw <laughs> they're cussing at people. Cussing at people, swearing at visitors. And I made the comment, and it's amazing. One comment that I made in, as a follow-up, and I've gotten like 19 different people, I said, maybe Maybe they could use one of those tonight at the debate in Cleveland. Oh, jeez. It could certainly liven things up. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking here, looking at this, so here's our very strong storm that's in the Gulf of Alaska or just south of the, uh, uh, the northern Aleutians. And if I'm guessing this correctly, this is from Saturday, so moving along. So it must be one of these two systems. It looks like these two systems very close to each other with regards to um, their positions here. One goes out to the east. The other one kind of recurves south of the Aleutians and eventually heads up into, into Alaska. So the question is, and I'm just going to see what happens. I mean, it does – actually, uh, David, what seems to happen here is – you, know, you get this reinforcement of the Gulf of Alaska low right now and going into Friday, and then another one rotates. You know, Then, of course, your, your typhoon just gets pulled to the east, and then that gets swept around into the Aleutians. But that's lifting northward. So that whole Gulf of Alaska low disappears when we get uh, toward, the, toward the latter part of next week. And then eventually, as we move forward, I mean, you do have lower pressures there in the longer range, but it's also coinciding with lower pressures that now suddenly show up in the western part of the United States, and we're getting into a ridge position here in the eastern part of the United States in the longer term. So in a way, it is kind of changing the pattern, but if you're looking for it to sort of re to, to reinforce the cooler than normal weather that we're going to see starting tomorrow, later tomorrow, tomorrow night, and lasting into at least the middle part of next week, that looks to go away uh, because of what's happening out in the West. So it, it, it's not it's not um, it's not going to lock it in there because you want that low. If you have that low in the Gulf of Alaska, folks, that usually means you got a deep trough down uh, south to near Hawaii, which is kind of what we have now. So that you have a yeah. trough here, ridge in the West, trough in the East. So that's that's a scenario we have now. But um, it's it's if, if the models are if this model's correct anyway. Uh, it says after about uh, day 10 or 11, that all disappears. So we'll just, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. So the, you know, we all know that what happens after about day, day 9 or 10 is not written in stone by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that once we start seeing things really wind up out there in the Gulf of Alaska and start uh, possibly changing the, 
the uh, the upper level winds and the stratospheric uh, conditions that we will immediately extend an invitation to Dr. Judith Cohen to come back and uh, talk about that and its impact on the upcoming winter weather, even though winter is still about three months away. All right, right we'll, be, we'll work on that. Brandon Doherty has taken the opportunity to hit Super Chat tonight. Thank you, Brandon. Joe and I really appreciate it greatly. You got some Briller Jeopardy questions on your side? Yes, I do. And I apologize <coughs> to Mr. Briller because he had actually sent me these on Sunday for last night. And I just didn't look at them and uh, look at his message until after last night's show. So uh, we do have Briller Jeopardy questions for you, Joe. And uh, if you're ready, I'll give you question one. Go for it. And question one is, what is the state sport of Alaska? Well, it's got to be the dog sled thing. That's right. Dog mushing. Or mushing. Mushing. You know, I went to, uh, I was in Anchorage, Alaska on the closing day of the Iditarod uh, race in 2016. And that was one of the things I was kind of looking forward to because they, they would have had the, the dogs come right down the, uh, the main street of town to finish out the race. And they moved the location because that one winter, the winter of 2016, there was such a lack of any snow in and around Anchorage. It was true. When we, when we got there, there was just like patches of ice and snow. That has got to be the, the most depressing thing if you're a snow lover. You go up to Alaska <laughs> and, 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 there, and, and you're struggling for snow. And it's true. And uh, and there was no uh, they, they said, no, the race is we're not going to have the race here. This the, at least the completion of the race this year. We they had to move it to some place where it was colder and there was a bit more. snow. I didn't go to Anchorage for the for the for the for the race. I actually was going up to Anchorage to try to rendezvous in a, a solar eclipse. But I just had to be the stop. And, you know, I said, oh, well, while we're you know getting ready for the eclipse, you can watch the race now. No race. Yeah. Uh, here's number, question number two, uh, how old was, how old was George Washington when he got married? I will say when he married Mrs. Washington. Mrs. Washington, right. yes. I will say 30. Close, 26. Okay. That was, was my a, second a, choice. There was a very, there's a very good book. It's probably long out of print, but if you go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, I'm sure you can find it. It was written by Mary Higgins Clark mm -hmm. back in 1969. The name of the book is called Aspire to the Heavens, and it was about the life and times of George and Martha Washington. Believe it or not, George didn't call his wife Martha. Do you know what he, what he referred to uh, his wife as or what the name that he used to... Uh, well, I, I don't. I mean, I don't, did he call her? Call her? I learned it from this book. I don't think he called her mother. <laughs> no, no, it was Patsy. And if you say why Patsy, well, then again, why did uh, why did uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson always refer to his wife as Bird or Birdie, and not by her her real name, which was Claudia? So, mm -hmm. so there you go. Yeah. Uh, question three: How many items? How many items were on the very first McDonald's menu? And of course, we all remember who the very first Ronald McDonald's. I actually saw a. Uh, I actually watched a show back uh, uh, it's a few months ago on uh, the history of, of McDonald's and how it came apart. The two brothers that that uh, started it all and and then sold out to Roy Kroc and and you know the ensuing lawsuit that happened there. So I'm thinking. The items were probably they had the hamburger and the French. Well, he wants to know the number. He doesn't want. So to I'll say two. 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 No, nine. Oh, okay. Nine, nine items. Nine items. And of course, as, as I just said, you, we we know who the very first Ronald McDonald was, right? We know what the very first what? Who was the guy who played the very first Ronald McDonald? Oh, it was Willard Scott. It was Willard Scott. Yes. I remember Willard Scott, I forgot what show, I think maybe it was with Larry King, where he had been playing Ronald McDonald for several years, and then some of the corporate people came along. He was the guy who actually originated, who came up with the concept of Ronald McDonald. Mm -hmm. And after a few years, some of the corporate people at McDonald's called him in and said, uh, you're not playing him the way we think you should be playing him. And they got somebody else to play him. 
And he said, wait a minute, I'm the guy who invented Ronald McDonald's. I was the guy who made him into what he is. To Sorry, we're getting somebody else. <laughs> can you believe that? Yeah, I can. We can believe that. I yeah. can, because that's yeah. how that's how the world of television works and entertainment exactly. works. Exactly. Um, yeah. so we'll, we'll get on it. We'll get another question. Yeah. What, if, if, if we have COVID, and normally they said there would have been 900 people in that auditorium to watch the great debate tonight, and they're only going to be like 40 or 50 instead of 900, what's the sense of even having 40 or 50 in there? Everybody, there's going to be like 90 million people watching on TV. Let's not have a, any audience at all. I don't know. Uh, you know what, Joe? Having... I don't even. I don't, I don't. I don't even want to think about these things anymore. I don't. I yeah, should I mention. Know. I should t say, by the way, uh, I worked with Willard Scott for two years, back yes. from 1980 to 1982, in, on the Today Show, and it, and he was just such a joy to work uh, work with. I, I was. He is not. I was he producing not, weather for him, and he was terrific. I had a wonderful there some time. People, there's some people who have a certain facade. They portray themselves as something on television, but as soon as the red light is off on the camera, it goes 180 degrees the other direction. That was not Willard Scott. What you saw on television was what you got when the camera was off and when you you know interacted with him behind the scenes. Correct? Yes. He was a tall. He he was he was a, he was a great guy. He was just wonderful. Um, I haven't seen him in many years, uh, but he was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to work with. They used to, we used to go to breakfast together from time to time. I, I've, it taught me a lot. He taught me quite a bit about, I guess it was, it was, it was then that you, I started, you know, I, I began to realize that this sort of idealized view of what I thought TV was, was, uh, mm -hmm. came to an end because I saw the things that he had to, he went through. And the, uh, the the uh, the 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 struggles with management and and all the you know the bullshit yeah. because that's what it is all the BS. They all had they all had the same problem, Joe. I mean, if you read Cronkite, Walter Cronkite's autobiography, he had the same kind of problems, uh, dealing with the same kind of people that you and I dealt with for all of those years. There's always somebody behind the scenes who thinks they know better or know know more than you do and tries to force you to do something which you know ethically mm -hmm. in some cases is not, is, was not good, but they all went through it. Willard Scott, Walter Cronkite, everybody had to, has to go through it. And if any, I tell kids, kids, uh, people who are in college, for example, uh, and are aspiring, they say, how can I become a TV weatherman or meteorologist? How can I get my foot in the door of television? I honestly tell them, I said, maybe you want to get into some other field I said, are you willing to, are you really want to get into this field? And then you, I explained to them. You know, I don't like, tell them that though. I don't, I, 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 I try to temper their enthusiasm somewhat with a little bit of reality. I just don't like, you know, if someone has, if, I know how I felt when someone tried to do that to me, but that person was just totally evil. And I recognized that from the onset um, that he who shall not be named. Okay. We ain't naming this person publicly, um, but my my but thing is, whatever I, I don't ever discourage someone who wants to do it uh, and wants no, to try. To right, but I just I I, I, I do them. I think it's important to open up the reality that it's not right. what you think it is. Okay, yes. it really isn't. You um, just have to put up a warning flag, like it's not all peaches and cream. It's not it's not all all wonder. That the one thing, one story that I I'll briefly touch upon it here is uh, I was doing a radio station, doing the weather for a radio station in Morningside, Maryland, although they considered themselves to be Washington, D.C. And they had a, a big promotion coming up on a weekend, the $500,000 Budweiser Ramblin' Raft Race. And it was big. It was a big thing. And they wanted good weather for the event. As it turns out, on the Saturday of the event, they were going to have the equivalent of a coastal storm, heavy rain in and around Washington, D.C. And I said that on, on the air. I said, And I even said, I made the illusion, I said, and well, for the Ramblin' Raft race, heavy rain, bring along. A, they didn't want to hear that. Yeah. And I was told through not the, not the, uh, the actual owner of the station, but through the general manager or the program director, you can't mention the bad weather on Saturday. I said, what do you mean I can't mention the bad weather? He said, well, make something up, but don't tell people it's going to rain. Can you believe that? And I, I refused. I said, 
I have my credibility to think about. And he said something to me about my credibility and uh, I didn't do it. And come Monday morning, first thing in the mail, a registered letter from the radio, radio station saying that they were canceling our contract with that station, all because I refused to say or tell the truth about what the weather was gonna be like because they were afraid of how it would impact their their multi-zillion dollar promotion of this event. I mean, so, what, I, I, don't, I don't even know, what were you supposed to do? I mean, supposed to come on and say it was supposed to be mostly sunny? They were, were supposed to get around, I don't know what I was supposed to say. I was- maybe, How are you gonna not say that it's gonna be heavy rain? I don't okay. know. I don't know, but uh, they got it. We're hoping that it does, we don't get heavy rain, so let's keep our fingers crossed that it'll be mostly I, sunny. I don't know, what I else don't, are you supposed to say? I don't know, Joe. I don't know. I was supposed to say something other than the fact that it was going to rain on their parade on Saturday, and uh, they didn't want to hear that. And uh, maybe they expect me just to leapfrog over. And here's the forecast for tonight, tomorrow, Friday, and the outlook for the weekend, fair on Sunday. <laughs> just not even mention Saturday. I know. Exactly. All Thank right. Let... Rambling Ramp Race on Saturday, fair on Sunday. No, that kind of thing. All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh... Everybody, we'll see you tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel on the Joe and Joe Weather Show. Thanks for being here as always. Brandon Doherty, thank you for hitting Super Chat. Bill Uber, it's not raining at my at, here yet. Bill lives uh, very close to me, for in case you don't know. Um, not raining yet, or at least, at least before the show started it wasn't. I can't really tell now because it's pitch black outside. I, got, I can't see through the window, nor am I well, hearing I, anything. I, and I noticed also on the chat board a few minutes ago, my wife mentioned that here in Putnam Valley, we have 0.55 inches of rain, which made me feel very PO'd because we had invested, as you know, uh, Joe, a few weeks ago, the rain gauge was very temperamental. It wasn't working. We had a couple of major storms that came on by, registered zero with the heavy rain. I said, well, I guess it's time to get a new weather station. Went to Davis, the uh, company that makes the weather station, bought a new weather station, still in the box, because we, I said, I want to, I want to check one more time. I had to wait like 17 days for us to have a significant rainfall, and now my wife is telling me it's got already more than a half an inch. Probably will record every last drop tonight, and now I'm stuck with a new weather station, <laughs> and one which I thought was broken and has now suddenly come back to life again. Oh, it never well, fails. No, it doesn't. All right, I'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody, have a great night. Stay safe, uh, and uh, see you tomorrow night at seven o'clock.